her children three at Park Ridge, Illinois. Then came the stranger to her home and told her of his love. To meet a face so horrible, no one on earth will know. A foul crime was committed there that shocked the depths of hell. In this day and age, the chance of finding love has never been easier. It's literally in the palm of your hand. The internet has opened the door to so many possibilities. Online dating websites such as Match.com, eHarmony. Many using mobile data apps such as Tinder, where you can swipe left or right on a potential match. However, finding love wasn't always just a click away. Before the internet was even a thought, people had a much harder time finding love. In the 1930s, you had to go out in a social setting. Churches, town dances, soda shops. But for some, it was even harder. Those who didn't feel comfortable around people or didn't seem to be attracted to those in their area. They looked elsewhere in the personal ad section of the newspapers or they subscribed to matrimonial services. So many were hopeful that looking outside of their area would give them their best chance at love. But going into this type of romance search has its warning. It's the same as it is now. When meeting someone you've only been talking to online or messages, in their case, by mail. The warning is this, because when you first meet someone, you never know what their true intentions are. It all began with a phone call on August 27, 1931, from the Park Ridge Police Department in Illinois to the police department in Clarksburg, West Virginia. They were following a lead for a missing widow and her three children. They had disappeared back in June, and they asked a man by the name of Cornelius Pearson, who had resided in their town. They believed he may have information or was involved in their disappearance. They didn't recognize the name, but they said they would look into it and get back in touch. They dispatched an officer to head to the local post office to see if the man had a registered box there. The clerk did some digging in their files, and they confirmed that Cornelius Pearson had registered box 277. The clerk told police the physical address was in the Broad Oaks suburb on Quincy Street. The home belonged to Harry Powers and his wife, Lula. He worked with his wife in the grocery store and used to be a traveling vacuum salesman. The officer went back to the station and gave this information to the chief of police who told the officer to go out to the house and detain Powers. When they arrived, no one was home, so they sat and waited. Around 12 p.m., Harry Powers returned home from work. Police ran out and stopped to question him about the disappearance. Harry denied knowing anything about it. However, police searched him and found five letters. One addressed the American Friendship Society requesting to be sent more names. The other four were addressed to different women and signed Cornelius O. Powers. He tried to dodge them and get back into his house. Police had to overpower him. 
With this, police believe that they had enough to arrest Harry Powers for the murders of missing widow Asta Eicher and her three children, Greta, Harry and Annabelle. Now let's go back a few months to the small town of Park Ridge, Illinois. Asta Eicher, after being widowed for four years, missed having male companionship in her life. Her husband, a silversmith having died from cancer, left her with a small estate. But without a husband, the money began to run out. Asta had to take on a second mortgage to pay for the first one. But that money was dwindling down. So while she wanted a husband for love and companionship and a father for her children, she also wanted someone who could care for them all financially. She came across an ad for the American Friendship Society, a matrimonial service that promised marriage and stability. So, for $1.95 a year, Asta signed up, hoping this would be the answer to her prayers. The following month, Asta received her first set of mail listings. One immediately caught her attention. Civil engineer, college education, worth $150,000 or more, has income of $400 to $3,000 per month. Business enterprises prevent me from making social contacts. I am unable to make the acquaintance of the right kind of woman. As my properties are located in the Middle West, I will settle there when married. Own 10-room house, completely furnished. My wife will have her own car and plenty of money. Cornelius O. Pearson, Box 277, Clarksburg, West Virginia. But could Asta leave Park Ridge? She lived there all of her life. Her children were born and raised in the house they lived in. Could she just uproot her and her children to move to West Virginia? She knew she was thinking too far ahead, but she took the chance and wrote to him. After a few days, Asta eagerly checked her mail, and in the box was a letter addressed to her from Cornelius O. Pearson. Excited, she went inside, opened the letter, and began to read it. It said, My age is 38, height 67 inches, have clear blue eyes, medium dark hair, and weigh 175 pounds. As a civil engineer, I have an income of $400 a month. But in addition, I have a much larger income from oil and gas royalties, the details of which I will give you later. My wife can have anything that money can buy, but above all, I expect to give her that true love and devotion which every one of us craves so much. Death has taken my previous wife from me, leaving me very lonely. I long for one to take her place, someone to fill that empty space in my heart. Women are the sweetest, purest, most unselfish part of the human race. They sing the melody of human life. Any man who has experienced a mother's devotion, a wife's self-sacrificing love, or a sweetheart's affection knows that to be true. So I'm trying in this manner to find the one, the only one that can make home a paradise, a place of rest, a haven of content where loved ones await, and to who I can look forward with pleasure and anticipation. Who knows but what you may be the one. 
Won't you write to me? Please do. Any questions that you care to ask of me will be answered to the best of my ability, and anything that you care to tell me will be considered strictly confidential. I have a small photo of myself. May I send it? And yours will be greatly appreciated. Do send it. Again, please write. You should never have cause for regret. Use the included envelope and tell me lots about yourself. Please do. Anxiously awaiting yours. I am most sincerely. Did you mean it when you said I love you? Did you mean it when you said I care? The pair wrote back and forth for some time. They talked about love, marriage, and in an excerpt of one of his letters, he talks about children. Proud of Buster? I am indeed proud of Buster. He looks like a splendid young chap. And the girls, too. They look like fine children. They will have the opportunities they deserve and will be able to develop into whatever their inclination may be called for. Power even wrote to Greta, the oldest. It was signed C.O. Pearson. You do not mind for me to address you by your given name. You see, your mother has told me so many lovely things about you that it would seem so distant for me to be calling you by the formal title of Miss Iker. And then, we are not strangers, are we, dear? Your mother always has so many lovely things to tell me about you, what you do, and how well you are getting along in school. That really, dear, I just know you are a sweet and darling little girl, and I love you, dear, because I believe you are all your mother tells me you are. I would be very glad to have you as my own girl. Tell me, would you like to have me as your daddy? You could then have ever so many lovely things, and we could have lots of sun together, couldn't we? Dear, will you send me a copy of your grades at school and also your schedule? I am very anxious to see how well you are doing. And by your schedule, I would know exactly what you are doing at any time during school hours. And write me, dear, today sometime, with love. On June the 17th, Asa received one more letter from Harry. I want to see you alone. Do not let the neighbours know I am coming. This should have raised some concerns with Asta. I certainly would have thought twice. I almost definitely would be telling my loved ones if I planned to see someone I've never met before. But Asta didn't seem fazed by this ominous letter. In fact, on June the 20th, when he arrived at Asta's home, she welcomed him with open arms, telling neighbours with a smile, he's an old family friend. He spent the week with her and her family, and on the 25th, Asta reached out to Elizabeth Abernathy, asking if she could watch the children for her. She was going west for a business trip and would return in a few days. However, that didn't happen. On June the 30th, Mrs. Abernathy received the following letter, which appeared to have been written by Asta. I have sold the place. I've got the money already, but it is necessary for me to wait for certain details here so I'm sending Mr. Pearson for the children. I've given him my instructions as to what to do so he will know. He will pay your bill, or you can give him your bill, and I will send you a cheque for the same. Hope you are well. Asta Iker. I'm in love again, and my heart's all a flutter. I'm in love again. Can't you hear me yodel you? 
The next day, Cornelius Pearson came to pick up the children. He spent the night in the home, and around 11.30 a.m., the next day, as he was trying to get them rounded up to leave, Miss Abernathy stopped him. The children weren't dressed and were still in their pajamas, not suitable for a trip. He said it was okay, stopped her from packing their bags, and told her that he would be buying them all new clothes when they got there, and they drove off. Before they left town, he stopped by the bank and sent Greta in with a letter from her mother. The letter asked for the remaining amount to be withdrawn and to close the account. The teller noticed the signature looked a little different than what they had on file and told Greta to have her mom write another letter with the proper signature and come back. But she never did. Over a month later, on August 13th, Cornelius returned to Park Ridge, back to the Iker house. He slowly began moving things from the house to the garage. What he didn't know was at that moment, he was being watched. Earlier that day, William O'Boyle, friend and former tenant of the Ikers, drove over to the house to pick up some tools that he had left behind. When he got there, he found the place dusty and deserted. Hello? I knocked hard Is anyone there? and heard some voices. No one answered. I visited the neighbors and then learned that Pearson had just gone into the garage. After waiting at the house, I left and headed to the police station. He returned a little later with police chief Harold Johnson to find Cornelius still in the garage. O'Boyle confronted him and demanded to know where Astor and the kids were. The short, pudgy stranger with glasses told them that he put them on a train for Denver to visit some family. Oh, yeah, they're headed out on a train to visit family in Denver. That's odd. I never heard Astor talk of a relative in Colorado. Cornelius went on to tell them that he had bought the house off of Astor and planned to rent it out. He handed over papers showing that Astor had signed over the house to him to do as he saw fit. The officer asked if he could come to the station the next day to clear things up. Something still seemed off to William, so later that evening, he visited Astor's neighbours. He learnt that her old friend came on June the 22nd and left June the 27th with Astor. The next morning, William went to the police station to confront him again, but he never showed. They checked the hotel Pearson told them he was staying at, but no one by that name was registered there. Chief Johnson obtained a warrant for the house and he broke into the garage. He found all of Astor's belongings and the children's belongings, along with the letters Cornelius had written to her and the children. What was found in those letters made him issue an arrest warrant for Cornelius Pearson of Clarksburg, West Virginia, for kidnapping and murder. A widow and her children three at Park Ridge, Illinois. Then came the stranger to her home 
and told her of his love. To meet a fate so horrible, no one on earth will know. A foul crime was committed there that shocked the depths of hell.